Greetings and welcome to The Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it's time to bring the orange yet again. With our special guest today, we are digging into corporate IT, and I am bringing you Lucas Sweeney, one of our security architects who looks after things at the headquarters. Lucas, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a long time. We've been chatting to try to get you on here because I know you worked with some folks on our team uh, talking about IT operations in general and security. And we just want to kind of flesh that out today. But before we jump into that, why don't you give folks a little bit on your background and experience? I always am interested in hearing about everybody's journey, you know, how they got to where they are today here at Pure. Indeed. Well, um, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, my journey has been a bit of a strange one, unless you're really familiar with the technology space, perhaps. Um, when I first got into my professional career, security wasn't really a thing, per se. Um, and in college, there was no security course. I ended up um, just doing phone tech support for local internet service provider uh, for my kind of starting point and um, just got a lot of practice on all kinds of different technology, uh, learned a bunch of stuff, practice coding. Um, eventually I made my way to a local government. I used to work for the county of Monterey. Nice. Um, that's where I had my first security role officially. Uh, working as an intrusion analyst um, and kind of generically a security analyst and doing incident response. Um, then I moved to the Bay Area, worked for uh, Qualys, a big vulnerability management company, um, before ending up here finally. And we're glad to have you here. It is interesting it, that you mentioned kind of went, you know, and we're, we're contemporaries because I you know, I finished school in the 90s a, a little bit before you, but you're right. Security, I mean, it, it was out there, but it wasn't the big, huge thing that it is today. And I have, I have, you know, friends and former coworkers who got into security type of roles, you know, in the early 2000s. And that's, that's been their career, right? I mean, they've bounced around. There's just tons of companies. It's, it's a very deep area with, with a lot of different uh, aspects to it. Um, did you did you get bitten by the bug or was it something you pursued? Like as you were being a gen, <laughs> as you were being a generalist and learning all that stuff, as you say, was that something you're just like, hey, this is really interesting. I want to do this more and do those other things less. Like how did that work? Well, it, interestingly, it kind of found me, and I'm probably <laughs> pretty lucky in that respect. Um, I at the time when I first started working for the county was really kind of struggling with trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't really want to stay in any one place for a long period of time. I'm, I'm just interested in so many different things. Um, and then one day, uh, like a, a security magazine shows up on my desk, mysteriously. Just out of, just out of nowhere, out of thin just, air. Uh, yes, <laughs> quote unquote, mysteriously. I, I learned the story later, of course. Yeah. But essentially, um, the chief security officer at the time had learned that I had experience with Linux and he needed some Linux experience on the team and kind of the rest is history. Um, but yeah, it found me. That is interesting how uh, you're just not looking for something and then it just comes and, and, 
and get you out of nowhere. And then you've been doing it for, for a while. What, what is, what's changed over that period of time? Like from when the, when you got that magazine and started being Linux security guy, what, what, what are the biggest changes, you know, in terms, I mean, is it more threats? Is it just that the technologies evolve? Like what things stand out for you that people not realize, may not realize about this space? Kind of the biggest transitions I've seen, um, I think would have to be just the use of public clouds. Mm. Uh, you know, the whole cloud transition that we're still undergoing, of course. Right. Um, and just the scale of things. Um, just the massive scale of some of the service, the technical services provided by some of those clouds, for example, are just huge in scope. And it's kind of mind blowing when you think about it. Um, a lot of the same problems happen, but you know, it's much bigger venues. Um, just transition to disposable infrastructure at a bunch of different levels. Mm -hmm. You know, the kind of overall pivot from turning your systems where you kind of think of them as pets, you know, they have pet names and you want to convert them into cattle now, you know, they, you want them all to be the same and you want to do your standard process with them and then toss them away when you're done um, from the boutique to the assembly line. <laughs> yeah, it really, you know, as an old server guy, you know, we had a lot of ownership about, you know, and the uniqueness of the, of the different products that we were creating and innovating and what we were putting into the microprocessor. Now this was 25 years ago, right? And so the whole notion of, you know, big hyperscalers just taking things when they break and kind of throwing them away. I mean, they were obviously very early on to that trend, but we we're trying to go into them and go, hey, look, we have this really interesting thing. And they're just going, you know, we, we, we buy these for a hundred bucks each and we run them. And then when they break, we just, you know, we toss them over there and recycle them and, and kind of moving on. So I'm glad you brought up the, the pets versus cattle thing. I do love that phrase. And, and I love to throw it out sometimes and people go, what? I haven't, there's, there's a, there's a gal on my team who's, who's a long time uh, DBA. Right. And, and we use that recently. And she's like, wait a minute, I haven't, I haven't heard that one before, <laughs> but, but you described it very, very accurately. Right. Which is you want to treat everything kind of of uniformly in nature and have everything be really, you know, distributed, which, which kind of makes sense. So good, good changes. How, how is, um, and this is maybe an early myth that doesn't hold anymore, but there were early myths around cloud, right? 2010, everything in the whole world was going to be on cloud in 10 years. And, and as you said, we're not there yet, but there's also kind of a myth that security was challenging in cloud. Still the case, or I, I feel like that's been, resolved or there's enough robustness for what people need? Well, kind of like I said before, same problems, much bigger venues. Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem space is, has expanded, but the things we do really poorly are still the same. Mm. Um, the things that are most critical are still the most crit critical uh, in this day and age. Um, keeping track of your assets is still critical. Um, if you don't know what's inside your house, how do you know what you're supposed to protect? Yeah. And that's a good segue. I, I want to transition to what you do here at Pure and, and, and maybe describing a little bit around 
you know, security operations. But before that, contextually, like when when would you say this all came about? Right. Everything, you know, I read everything in this space and it's, you know, there's there's log data here and log data everywhere. And there's, you know, there's monitoring. Is that like a last five years kind of things with with the rise of some of these companies that have capitalized on that? And that's kind of what you've jumped on here at Pure. Actually, no, this is, at least for me, this is bread and butter. Okay. Um, I've actually been very kind of fascinated and obsessed with logs since the yeah. beginning of my career. Um, and it, it's, it's honestly, it's a challenge for me sometimes to, to get people to see what I see. Mm-hmm. Um, nine times out of 10, the answer to your problem is in the logs. Hmm. Maybe, maybe it's not telling you exactly what you need to hear, but usually there are hints there. Um, and I've definitely made a lot, I've had a lot of success with that, with that bread and butter, I guess. You know, being able to get to resolutions faster with diagnostics. That's essentially what logs are, right? They're telling you something that happened to help you understand, uh, go back to a breakpoint, for instance. It's like breadcrumbs, if you will, in a yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. Right? It's breadcrumbs on a trail that you can see, maybe not ahead of you, but behind you, um, in a way. And I guess I, I, I got a little bit of familiarity with with this, with you know some of the log data that's used when you do database performance analysis, right? Things like things like that in 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 my Oracle time. What what are you looking for, and how much of this is an art, and how much is a science, right? You say nine times out of ten that the data the data is telling you what it's there for but you probably got to learn the, like there's no you can't just pull up a manual and it says all right here here's what's actually going on so how much is art and science and and what are you actually looking for like what causes you to go oh there's something we need to go we need to go take a look at well i think the big theme here is knowing your environment mm-hmm. um and, and kind of what i spoke to before about scale um the basic problem is still the same for me. Like um, there's, the system is trying to tell me something and I just need to find it. Um, but the absolute scale of it is phenomenally different. There, so there was a time in my career where you could, you know, email yourself a report of all the logs for that day and you could just, you know, read it. <laughs> but those days are long since past. Yeah. You know, you you, uh, you will have, even in a small organization, potentially gigabytes or tens or hundreds of gigabytes of logs generated by your systems every day or even every hour. So you have to be able to store and parse all of that in order to, to get kind of the valuable things that you're looking for, to get that sort of, that bread, to find that bread crumb trail that you were talking about. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Bringing that, bringing that back. Um, yeah, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I kind of visualize, you know, where, where you used to be able to just look at it at the end of the day, it's kind of like, all right, I'm going to look at a newspaper. And now instead of a newspaper, you're, you're taking on every news site on the internet, right. And trying to, consume, sure. right. Trying to consume exactly what is there. Now, is that just a, a matter, your, your theme here so far is really great, which is scale, right? Everything, everything you're coming back to is just the challenges that we're all dealing with scale. 
um, have you been challenged with, with the scale problem pre previously and let's take it into storage? And, and maybe, you know, when you operated before, were you dealing with pets and do you have a cattle situation at Pure? <laughs> and why do, why do the Pure Arrays work better for you in your job? Because obviously we're doing all this on our own, you know, our own kit, which is, which is the cool thing and why we want to have you here to help people learn how they can do it better. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, sorry. I tend to do multi-question, <laughs> which isn't really fair. Um, but but just kind of take it at the first one, which is just more the challenge of, of, of scale and managing the data on a storage platform. Sure. Well, it used to be I'd have to manually kind of rotate logs and make sure they got compressed and then make sure the disk didn't fill up. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you... When you grow um, in your systems, those problems just each grow um, and compressing and um, indexing those logs in another system just takes longer and longer and longer. Um, and then you want either more storage or faster storage. Um, working with pure arrays, it's, it just kind of goes for me. I've, I haven't really had any trouble with it. Um, historically, I have had some trouble with storage. And, in general, yeah. It, it, well, and, and, and directly with respect to logging, mm -hmm. um, I have had problem with storage in the past, but not anymore. So what, what then works better for you? I think when we, when we talked prior to this, there were a few things that, you know, that you notice that matter. I mean, performance being one of them, everybody wants that, but those are table stakes these days. Although you could talk about it a little bit, but what are those, what are those few things that makes it easier for you to, to not have to worry about storage and when you need to buy more, or, you know, dealing with disk? Well, I've got a huge amount of breathing room with the number of IO, you know, the IOPS um, and the storage, doesn't have to be tuned for the specific job I'm trying to do. Um, the, the type of uh, disk writes we have to do with logging is usually very consistent, but it can be very bursty. Mm -hmm. um, I, and I, I just don't have to care how that impacts my storage. It, like I said, it just kind of goes. Which means you get to spend more time actually analyzing logs and not Absolutely. about storage, which which is a huge thing. And that's a great message that we have here at Pure, which is you know stop worrying about this stuff. Um, your your real job is to go you know analyze the data and go find problems and and go find um, security issues. What what about yeah? What about growth? Right, since we're on the topic and we've been on the topic of scale. Um, how would you recommend to other IT professionals, either in similar roles to yours or just in general? I know we've got a lot of, you know, DBA type of folks out there and other roles where data is just kind of growing. Um, how would you recommend they keep up with this? Any tips, any, any tricks, like <laughs> APIs? Like, you know, again, that's another long loaded question, but um, what advice would you give? Well, with, with log data and, and security use cases, it's very tempting to say, I want everything and I'll, I'll sort it out later. Mm -hmm. um, and indeed, if you're working at a storage company and you have very high performing and lots of capacity storage, it's, it's very tempting to do so. But um, you may actually be squandering your own time uh, on the far end doing that. 
and I, I mentioned earlier, kind of real quickly, the importance of knowing your environment. Right. Um, you got to know what's important to you to resolve the issues that are kind of common for your environment. Um, certain data sets, maybe you, you don't need as much fidelity for as others. Um, take, for example, uh, I don't know exactly how many um, companies these days have what's called EDR, endpoint detection and response products, like Carbon Black, for instance. Um, but those products can provide a lot of data about what's happening on your laptops, your endpoints. Um, and you might decide someday that I wanna ingest all that data and I'll just sort it out later. Well, that, that may be orders of magnitude more data than you've ever had to deal with before. So yeah. you'll, you're gonna have to decide, no, maybe I don't need to know each time a process is launched <laughs> or each time any file on the system has been opened. Um, you may need to kind of slice that up a bit and prioritize. So there are ways to exclude things that are maybe extraneous to what, you know, what you actually wanted to kind of yeah, absolutely. Into, dig into. Okay. That's, a, that's an interesting way to, to, to limit things. Well, then how do you, how do you determine, I mean, dovetailing to that question a little bit, how do you determine what are those things that are important for you? Do you go through that same, same exercise with, with the log data that you get here at Pure and just sort of, you know, carve out, all right, I'm going to do a huge ingest, but these other things, I don't really need them. Is that part of your, your common process as well? Yeah. And there, there's a certain kind of baseline we want for no matter the source. Mm -hmm. um, any important tool, you're going to want to see who's logging into it and who's doing what inside that tool. Um, so you can just think of that as an audit trail, I suppose. Um, but uh, beyond that, it's going to be driven by uh, happenstance. Uh, I think if you have a security incident and you determine during that incident that you don't have enough information to answer the question, what happened and why, then you may find yourself needing to ingest uh, another log source mm -hmm. or you know, turning a particular log source up from five to 11 or what have you. Right, right. How um, these go to 11, I think I, I got you there, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always have to throw some kind of old, old cult classic movie reference in and you got it. Um, how important is, and I remember this from, from, from doing database performance analysis, how, how important is it when you get to one of those scenarios to actually analyze the data from a specific period of time, right? Because I know you can pull everything in, you can ingest it, but if there's a period of time, like, isn't it more important to just parse out, okay, we need this hour or this, because otherwise it's just too vast to take on. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, normally the way I do this is, um, usually there's an entry point into an investigation. So you have something that happened, well, what, what time did that happen? And then, you can kind of zoom out a little bit. Um, so what happened during that whole hour or like an hour before and an hour after that to kind of gain more context surrounding an event. And so in, a, in an investigation, you typically will just kind of zoom out, zoom back in, zoom out again constantly to gain just all the context um, 
that that you need to determine what happened. Does that answer your question? I think it does. Yeah, I, th I think it does, and and much more eloquently than I than I stated it when I was asking you, um, for sure. Um, Hey, before this has been really informative. I I, su I really appreciate it. Um, before we wrap, I just I had a couple other kind of open-ended things that I'm curious about. Um, we talk and read a lot about automation these days. How is that impacting your function? Like, how is automation kind of creeping in, or is it something you're embracing with open arms, or is it you know maybe it's helping you? Yeah, I think it is helping us. Um, it's a, it's a challenging one to do right, I think. Um, but uh, there's this um, uh, buzz, buzzword going around these days. They call it SOAR, Security Orchestration and Automation Type Tooling. Um, and the, the use case that's on, at the top of my head is um, for dealing with phishing in an automatic way. Hmm. Um, so if you have an employee who receives an email message that they think is suspicious and they're going to want to forward that somewhere and get a determination, was this malicious or is it benign or what? Well, um, you can automate something that will read that email that the employee has forwarded and make a, deter a determination for you um, based on a whole bunch of uh, heuristics or, you know, open source intelligence tool lookups um, and have that done uh, within seconds to minutes as opposed to waiting for an analyst to kind of manually go through and, and eyeball the thing. Hmm. So that can help with uh, time saving. And I think automation in general will be a boon for security going forward, but the trick is finding the right place to put it. Interesting. Okay. Back to the art versus the science kind of thing as well. Right. Yep. Absolutely. Always comes back to that. All right. Final open-ended question. Cause you know, you're a technologist and I always love understanding what you guys are looking at reading. Um, what is out there on the horizon in the security space that's got you excited? What are you, what are you reading about right now? What are you checking out? What's got you really interested? Well, in the security space. So this is a bit, um, uh, <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot, this is used a lot as a buzzword, um, you know, AI, ML. I, yeah. I am kind of generally excited about machine learning in particular, just because I can, I can just about grasp some ways to use it <laughs> and actually be effective. But I think, and, and I think there are potentially a lot of really good ways, and this is a way we can automate, right? Just like the last conversation we were having right. is to use ML to kind of find anomalies. It's ultimately what we're trying to do in a lot of security responses to identify anomalies. If you can identify those faster uh, with something like machine learning, then faster is better. Um, so I am pretty excited about where that goes. It's, it's not really as easy as some vendors might, might think or, or might uh, market to you, but I, I am pretty excited about where that will, will go in the future. Yeah, for sure. It, it makes me harken back to, uh, I, I had one of the engineers from the Pure One team on, gosh, it was at least a year, year and a half ago, but he talked about how they had to take kind of baby steps when they were doing the initial, you know, ML and training and, and, and applying AI to all the data that we pull in with Pure One. And 
he had good advice, right? Which was, you know, pick a few things that you think you can tackle. Don't try to boil the ocean. Right. And just adopt a few things that you can do and then grow from there. Right. And, and perfect your training models and, um, and what you need. So it's good that you are um, looking into that. I, I hope that makes your job easier uh, in the future. Hey, someday. Lucas, someday. That's right. Someday. <laughs> just deal Lucas out there dealing with the problem of scale on a daily basis. Indeed. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks. I really appreciate the time. Any anything that you want to plug or anywhere if people want to find you or maybe they don't want it, you don't want to be found, but uh, I always do throw that out. Oh, I don't I don't do too much on the social medias. <laughs> I try I, to stay I try to keep my distance. That is fair. That is fair enough. Well, um, thank you again. And, and, and for listeners out there, if you want to check out a lot more about what Pure can do in this space, um, go to blog.purestorage.com, do a quick search for IT ops. And there is a series we published somewhat recently that goes through a number of different ways that Pure is going to help teach you how to use your data in a more efficient manner. And uh, with that, I guess we will go ahead and wrap Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening. Please tell a friend, tell a colleague, and we will keep the great guests like Lucas coming on to the program. And uh, we'll close for Pure Storage and Lucas Sweeney. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.